you know, using a tool and team like Vendor sure sure makes it a lot a lot easier. As opposed to, I don't really have a handle on on my SaaS spend, and I've got these new tools spun up all the time, and I can't keep track. It can be it can become pretty pretty overwhelming. third conversation with CFO Steve Isom, we get into the nitty-gritty of Q4 planning, what he's learned over the years, and how to make the process a more collaborative and effective experience for all of leadership. And in the spirit of -of end-of-year planning, we also talk about end-of-year software renewals and best practices going into the next fiscal year. Let's get started. We know software renewals are hot right now. And, you know, a lot of times there are renewals that just pass by without even realizing like anything, you know, auto renewals or anything um, logged on a credit card. So I'm curious, what are your personal best practices when it comes to renewals and maintaining and or like going into next year, knowing which ones that you're done using going into the next fiscal year? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want to just be a commercial for, for vendor, <laughs> but, but it really is something that, you know, I would have done this regardless, but kind of engaging with vendor early on forces, forces on me. We did a full SaaS stack inventory and every single vendor that we paid and how much we paid and then what were, what the contract terms were. And that was a long, painful process because you've got kind of like the department leaders telling you what they use. And then you go to the financials or the credit cards or the invoices and you're like, oh, you didn't list these five things, right? And then also understanding, okay, what vendors are on, like you said, month auto renewal, month to month or annual commitments with monthly payments. So first and foremost was like a full inventory of the SaaS stack. And I think, I mean, we went all the way down to things that we paid $20 a month for. So I think we got pretty great visibility into that. And then we basically just started at the top. Um, we, we got all of those loaded into Vendor. And then the great thing about Vendor is just getting that schedule in there early, starting engaging with uh, the end users as soon as possible to kick off that conversation because without that defined process you're just going to oh didn't even realize it we hit a renewal or hey we realize it's renewing but we've got five days to to figure out the terms um so getting that renewal schedule put together engaging with the budget owners early and then you know using a tool and team like vendor sure sure makes it a lot a lot easier as opposed to I don't really have a handle on on my SaaS spend and I've got these new tools spun up all the time and I can't keep track. It can be it can become pretty, pretty overwhelming. How do you identify with your with the different teams like what software is worth keeping for them? Is that does that happen more department level? Yeah, I think it's more department level. I mean, I think one of the things always asking the end users about is utilization. Like, are you using this tool? Also audits of, of licenses, right? Okay, we've got 100 Salesforce licenses. How many people have actually logged in in the last 30 days? 
you know, we we're kind of in the practice of doing that anytime we're adding seats to any software. Are there any are there any licenses that we can repurpose? Hey, maybe at the beginning of the year, some leader in another department wanted a Salesforce license but didn't, hasn't logged in in six months. Like we can repurpose that. I would say that at Bloomerang specifically, we were pretty uh, tool light, like software light. So there was a lot of things being done manually. So it it has been kind of the opposite problem where it's like, hey, we should figure out a way to automate this, roll out a tool to manage it. And I think that that's been a, that's a really easier process to go through <laughs> as opposed to like you have all these solutions or like, you know, you have three project management software software tools which one do you use and it's like, oh we use this one for that and this one for that it's like can we standardize on one and and that's been that's been something we've been focused on another thing is it rolls up to me and uh, we hired a really phenomenal director of it so we certainly have great visibility on the renewal schedule and what those existing tools are with vendor and then you know from an it perspective we've hired quite a bit of people this year at the company. So we're constantly just having discussions around what can we automate? And so we've used Opta for single sign-on and opting for integrating as much as possible into single sign-on so that when we have a new hire, we can provision the full list of accounts as opposed to, hey, you need to talk to Carl about this specific tool and he'll spin you up an account and then that person leaves and no one tells Carl and Carl doesn't deactivate them. So trying to get, trying to instill scalable business practices and, and our, our IT leaders been absolutely fantastic doing that. How do you identify the difference between growth and scale at Bloomerang? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that this is pretty, this is pretty good timing on this discussion, right? So we're adding all these tools. We're trying to do things in scalable way in, in scalable ways, but you find yourself having to have that trade-off. And honestly, Okta and single sign-on is a great example because a lot of vendors make you upgrade to enterprise level contracts for single sign-on. So you're actually trying to balance, hey, growth, I just want to get this thing bought and rolled out fast. And what really scales and like, well, yeah, we're going to do it now and we'll get it out, but it's going to be paying down the future. So, you know, I was just meeting with our director of IT to talk about this specific thing. You know, what what's a way that we can look at this on, you know, time it's going to take for provisioning new accounts if we're not Okta integrated. And I think where we're landing is really rolling out processes that are going to scale. And, you know, we're 250 employees now, but 350, 400, 500, what are those things that are still going to work? And the more automation on provisioning and deprovisioning, the better. And I think that's kind of that's a harder decision to make because you're like, well, I'm, I'm paying for an Okta integration. Like, is that really worth it? Like mm-hmm. also all these other <laughs> vendors, it's free, um, mm-hmm. but it's a good way to drive up your deal price if you're, uh, if you're a software vendor. So I certainly understand it from a finance <laughs> perspective. Um, but I think you've got to balance the two and, um, you know, kind of evaluate each specific problem and in, in isolation and understanding where you're making trade-offs. And if you're making trade-offs on just, hey, we're just doing this from a growth perspective, we're going to add some 
you know, operational debt to the business, just know that you're going to have to pay that debt off eventually, right? So it's almost like I've got enough debt that I'm paying off now from, from historical operations of the business. I don't necessarily want to be adding to it right now. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Buy Side, hosted by Vendor, a SaaS buying platform for ever-changing B2B SaaS sales. Curious how we can help your company save on SaaS? Get a free savings analysis today by visiting us at vendr.com slash save. See you next time.